Hi, and thank you for listening to episode 15 of Ask the Pastor. This is a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. I'm your host, Thad Yessa, and I'm really excited to dive into this week's question. This week's question comes to us from an anonymous listener who asks, Pastor Will, how do we bridge the conversational divide that exists between political conversations like abortion, gay marriage, border control, and gospel conversations? Ultimately, how do we approach broadening the question to core Christian beliefs versus specific issues when people demand answers to only the issues? Man, I love this question. I think it's so very timely and so very important. Um, And what I hear in this question, let me just try and unpack it in my own words to make sure we're on the same page before I move on to uh, my answer. But what I hear you asking uh, here, listener, congregant, uh, friend, is this. In today's world, in our politicized, 24-hour news coverage, social media-driven, everyone has an opinion, and even worse, everyone has a platform for sharing their opinion world, conversations abound concerning any number of really important, emotionally charged, worldview-exposing issues. So you've pointed us to just a few of them here, abortion, gay marriage, border, border patrol, to which we might add any number of similar, timely, topical, zeitgeist-defining issues like transgenderism, women's rights in a Me Too world, gun control, healthcare, white nationalism, environmentalism, et cetera, et cetera. And your question is really this. In the information age, where we have virtually unfettered access to news from all over the planet in an instant at our fingertips, and where we have a seemingly unimpeded right to share our own personal views and commentaries on that news cycle, the relevant issues of our day. The question is, how does a believer critically engage in those issues from a distinctly Christian worldview and not shirk away from taking every advantage of every opportunity, seizing on any open door to bear witness to the truth, while also recognizing that at the end of the day, our positions are on all these topics are going to be informed and dictated by our worldviews, our deeper-seated belief systems and faith stances, such that we have to recognize, number one, that we shouldn't expect someone who isn't a believer to agree with us and accept the truth of Scripture on any of these controversial issues because they're not a believer and they don't accept the Bible as inspired Scripture. But moreover, I think this is the real heart of the listener's question. Number two, how do we engage these issues while recognizing that all of this cuts way deeper than which box I check on a particular issue? That that these are heart issues precisely because they are worldview-driven issues. And so in recognizing that, how do I balance addressing the issues with addressing the person's even deeper need for the gospel? That's the question. I I can debate abortion back and forth for an hour with an unbeliever, and at the end of the hour, if I haven't drilled down to the deeper divergence of worldviews between us and taken the opportunity to shift the conversation to the gospel, then it's pretty much doomed to be an entirely fruitless discussion from the start. Because what fellowship does light have with darkness? Uh, But on the flip side, if I'm asked a question about gay marriage and I immediately pivot to the gospel, then that does make it look like I'm trying to dodge the question. Like Christianity must not have good answers to some of these questions. And so as I 
think our listener is appreciating here by the way he or she is asking the question. It's all, I think, about the balance. I I don't want to spend the entire hour-long conversation just on the issue, but I also don't want to completely ignore or gloss over the presenting issue either because these are real issues and real questions of real weight and importance, and they deserve real answers. And so the, the classical, you know, classic passage we always cite here um, is 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a hope, uh, for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so just a couple things that stand out to me about Peter's admonition there, especially in the context of apologetics and, and evangelism, apologetics, uh, meaning making a defense for Christianity to the unbeliever. Evangelism is more positively sharing the good news of Christ with the unbeliever. So defense, offense, you know, if the goal is a goal to score a goal, the ball and the opponent's uh, goal here, um, you got to play defense, turn it into offense, that sort of analogy, if that works for you. But first of all, so Peter is very clear, you do it with gentleness and respect, that there's and I think there's a practical and a spiritual dimension to that charge, right? So practically, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Uh, not too many unbelievers are repenting and coming to know Jesus because of your angry Facebook tirade. So practically, you are undermining the very thing that you profess to be trying to do here. But spiritually, we know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That doesn't sound like most of the Christian responses to these hot-button issues that I'm seeing on social media these days. And so the bigger issue is when we engage in these, these topical issues and those kinds of ways, we're not actually doing it in the Spirit, but rather in our own flesh, in that old, fleshly, stinky, not-the-aroma-of-Christ self that is kind of bubbling back up here looking for a fight. Why? Because James 4.1, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Um, When those arguments, those debates take a turn in that direction, it's because our fleshly passion has led us astray. It's become more about me than about God, about my drive to be proven right, my need to appear smarter than this other person, my desire to win, to win the argument. But all we do when we do that is we win the battle, but we lose the war, right? So brothers and sisters, I think we want to remember John 8, 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We already know the truth. We've already been set free. The truthfulness of the truth, praise God, doesn't hang in the balance here. Whether I prove myself smarter in this argument has absolutely no bearing on the objective truth of the positions that I'm debating therein. The truth isn't going to stop being the truth if I failed to defend it properly. Now, that doesn't mean that we make excuses and stay ignorant. I mean, 1 Peter 3.15 still specifically exhorts us to be prepared to make a defense, but it does mean that I can approach that conversation with a lot more peace, more patience, with gentleness and self-control, because it's not about me being right, appearing smart. It's about Jesus setting people free. When they walk away still disagreeing with me, despite my best arguments, you know, I don't scoff and berate and condemn them. We mourn, we pray for the Lord to do what only he can do in open blind eyes, 
unstopped deaf ears because we know Ephesians 6.12 that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Because 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And so remembering that keeps us from making this issue about me and taking this personally. And instead, it fills me with a selfless love, a genuine care and concern for the other, because I know it's not the truth of the Bible that hangs in the balance here. Uh, that truth is sure and unchanging, unshakable, but rather it is a person's eternal soul that hangs in the balance, a precious image bearer of God who is actively rejecting him and his way and his truth in favor of their own. Uh, that is what hangs in the balance, a soul. Uh, but, it, but it's because they're blinded, they're imprisoned, they are spiritually dead. The way Paul says it in Ephesians 2, you were once dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were all by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And so you don't show up at a funeral and mock the corpse and laugh and say, you idiot. No, you mourn how sad that this person has no idea how dead they are, how spiritually dead and broken and sinful and lost she is. And you intercede with prayers and petitions for her. And at the same time, we pray prayers of gratitude to the Lord because we know that there but for the grace of God go I. It could just as easily have been me. I don't deserve my own freedom, my own salvation. It's solely by God's sovereign electing grace that I am not the, the person sitting across uh, this Starbucks coffee table from me in the exact same boat as this unbeliever who I'm arguing with right now. And, and the second thing I want to point out there about 1 Peter 3.15 uh, that might bring us even more directly back to our listener for today's question is this. Peter frames our conversation with the unbeliever here, our apologia, our apologetic, our defense, in the context of them coming to us to ask a reason for the hope that is within us. The hope within us, that's the gospel, friends. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so ideally, the, the whole context for the conversation in the first place isn't someone looking to pick a fight on a particular issue and they, they know that you're an easy target, but rather that they see that there is a genuine love in you, an authentic joy in you, a deep peace, a true patience in you, and they want to know more about that. And perhaps there is a presenting issue that happens to be transgenderism or gun control or whatever it is, but what they're really more interested in isn't your position on the issue, but the hope that is within you, which then re orients your entire belief system around this guy, Jesus, and around his word, the Bible. Now, that might sound naive. It, uh, I'm, I'm certainly not advocating that Christians sit around and wait for people to ask us about Jesus, and we refuse to engage in any other topic until they do. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am reminding us here of is the fact that 80% of communication is not content. 
eighty percent of co- communication is is uh, tw- only twenty percent of co- uh, communication is content. The vast majority of of what we say to someone is in body language and in how we say it. The, it's really uh, true what they say. You know, it's it's less about what you say and more about how you say it. And trust me, I'm preaching to myself here, as my wife can well attest. But all of th- this is to say that you know, I because I, I might have danced around the question a little bit. So let me try and here at the end, succinctly, explicitly, go back to the question that was asked and and try and wrap it up. How do we bridge political conversations with gospel conversations? Do we zoom out and make it about the core Christian worldview, or do we keep it zoomed in narrow on just the issue? My answer is yes, both. I think this person needs to know that there are well-informed, intelligent, biblical answers and reasons for the answers that they may or may not like, but they exist for all of these hot-button issues of our day. So we, we are not afraid as Christians to point them to those biblical answers and the reasons behind them, and we do it with gentleness and respect. But, uh, and, and by the way, I'll just say there, you don't have to have all the issues on hand. You know, I, I think it helps to be a well-informed, educated, you know, well-thought-through, researched person. I think it helps with your credibility with that person, um, that unbeliever, whether or not you're someone who they're going to come back to again one day in the future for answers. But at the very least, it's okay to say, listen, that's a great question. Can I think on that a little bit more and get back to you and then go and do your homework and follow up with them later? Um so yes, and, and by the way, that's part of what we're here for as a church, as, as, a, as your pastor. I, I, that gets me fired up. I love getting those questions, not just from you. I would love to have even fewer ask the pastor question, questions from you all directly, Christians, and more from your friends that I can help you uh, mediate and navigate some of this stuff um, with them in these kinds of apologetic and, and evangelistic conversations. But follow up with them then. So yes, address the issue with them, but don't neglect to recognize this is about so much more than abortion, gay marriage, gun control. This is ultimately about authority. Uh, so much of this is really, and it can boil down to that one word, authority. What is this person's source of authority? Most people have nowadays rejected the Bible as their ultimate source of authority, and in, in, in their sin... They have good reason to do it because they don't want the Bible to be true. They don't want to have to bend their knee and confess that Jesus is Lord because it means that they're not. They don't want to have to admit that there is a sovereign God who's in charge because it means they're not in charge. They don't want to acknowledge the Bible as objective truth and their only source of authority because that means they don't get to live however they want. Um, That is what this conversation about abortion gun control, all of it ultimately boils down to. And so if I don't make that turn to, to point that out, I'm not doing them uh, any favors. And so to allow, you know, to allow the conversation to just stay in the realm of the topical, the political, the issues would be short-sighted. Now, how you make that shift, when you do that in the conversation, how long you spend discussing the presenting issue versus the core issue, these are all questions that I can't answer uh, absolutely for every situation. That totally depends. Totally depends on, on the given conversation, uh, how it's unfolding. So at the end of the day, as much as anything, you know, yes, prepare. Yes, research the issues. Yes, live out the gospel so they know that you are a Christian and they come to you to engage you in the first place. But as much as any of this, we have to be prayerful. 
we we have we we want to pray both that God would give us these opportunities in the first place to have these kinds of conversations. Father, bless me with the chance to bear witness for you today. But we also want to pray during these conversations, God, I need your wisdom and your guidance. Holy Spirit, your discernment right now in the moment to know when and how to steer this conversation back in the direction of the gospel. I know abortion is important. Gay marriage is important. But the gospel is most important. Because without a transformed heart, there's really no hope of this person ever holding to anything other than a worldly view on this topical issue. Because they're a worldly person. They haven't had their heart redeemed. Uh, which is something only the gospel can do. And uh, more importantly, again, their eternity hangs in the balance. And so, Father, I want to pray for an opportunity to share Jesus with them right here in this moment, uh, the, God, the Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's what they ultimately need. That's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms. And thanks for listening.